This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where it turns out the Florida GOP is thinking about getting out of town and moving the party headquarters to central Florida. Just don't pack your bags yet. Reefer Madness rears its head in the legislature as lawmakers gather ammunition to fight efforts to legalize the recreational use of marijuana in the Sunshine State. A House committee approves Representative Kerry Pigman's bill giving advanced practice registered nurses the right to work without a doctor's supervision. He's been trying to pass that bill since 2014. This is his last shot because of term limits. Today, a deep dive on the state's program to combat invasive aquatic plants. They're trying to find some way to stop using herbicides that doesn't break the bank. We'll also have your calendar of events along with our daily update on Florida man who showed up in the nude to meet what he thought was a hooker and the whole thing was captured on the sheriff's video. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, December 12th. Florida lawmakers may be developing a case of reefer madness on purpose. Voters in the Sunshine State may get the chance to vote next year on a constitutional amendment legalizing the recreational use of marijuana by adults. So lawmakers who oppose the idea are bringing in experts from other states to tell them why it's such a bad idea. Ray Padilla works for the Drug Enforcement Administration in Denver. We have more marijuana establishments than we have McDonald's and Starbucks. You know, we have a lot of Starbucks. We have a lot of McDonald's, but we have a lot more medical marijuana and recreational marijuana shops. That's just kind of a snapshot of what it looks like in Colorado. Supporters of legalization claim it will shut down the black market, reduce revenues for gangs that make money selling weed, and free up law enforcement to deal with violent crimes. But Padilla told members of the House Health Quality Committee that's not how it works. What happened in Colorado was once we moved to the recreational legalization of marijuana, we then had to start forming legalization and marijuana teams through a lot of the major municipalities, such as Colorado Springs, Denver, Aurora, CBI, which is our Bureau of Investigation in Colorado. All of those agencies have now had to implement teams to just deal with the impacts of marijuana, mainly based on neighborhood and citizen complaints. So the Denver team is about 15 to 20 officers. So you take those 15 to 20 officers that could be doing other drug enforcement, and they're not allowed to do that now because they have to deal with marijuana complaints and marijuana issues. So uh, the fact that they say it's going to free up law enforcement resources, completely incorrect statement. Um, I have never been busier when it comes to marijuana and organized crime in our state. Padilla says bad things happen when marijuana is legalized. There's going to be more marijuana-related traffic fatalities. We've proven that. We know that is going to happen. We've proven it. Use among adults and youth is going to go up. We've proven that is true. More people in drug treatment. There's a tremendous amount of people in drug treatment. The thing that people don't understand with marijuana, and a lot of people don't understand, is marijuana today is not the marijuana of yesterday. You know, due to crossbreeding and, you know, strain um, work and things like that, a lot of plant science, marijuana is not the, you know, 5 to 10% THC marijuana that we used to get across the Mexican border all the time. This stuff is running 25 to 35% when it comes to your flower marijuana in the dispensaries. And then additionally, we're upwards of 99% pure THC now on some of our extracts. So what does that do? We start having a lot of impacts when it comes to edibles and things like that because people are taking too much and next thing you know they're having some type of psychotic episode and we're dealing with those type of episodes on the streets. Colorado is making a lot of money from tourists who come for the marijuana but Padilla says there's a downside to that unless of course you're living in one of the homeless camps along the road to the Denver airport. We get a lot of people that come to Colorado for marijuana tourism. So people come to Colorado, they're like, I want to go to Colorado. They land at Denver International Airport. The first thing they do is what? They go to a dispensary. They want to try out marijuana. Next thing you know, they're not used to that kind of marijuana, Colorado marijuana. Next thing you know, they're having some type of psychotic episode. 
they end up in an ER or they're calling the poison control center because they're having some kind of freakout session because they smoke too much marijuana. We've learned that we have a lot more homeless camps on the way to Denver International Airport. So a couple of our Denver police spoke to a bunch of the folks along the way to the airport and asked them, why do you live out here by the airport? And they said, it's easy. We get free marijuana. Well, when everyone's going to the airport, they throw all their leftover marijuana out the window because they know they're going to get in trouble if they go through TSA with it. Agent Padilla may sound like a character from Reefer Madness, but his concerns are not theoretical. The Make It Legal Florida Committee has already collected more than 600,000 signatures for their marijuana amendment that could appear on the ballot next November. The Republican Party of Florida may bail on Tallahassee. The state headquarters is located in a charming red brick building called the George Bush Republican Center, just a few blocks from the state capitol. But politicians have been complaining for generations about the remote location of the capital city. When it was selected as the site for the capital, the only big cities in the state were Pensacola and St. Augustine, and Tallahassee is midway between them. But these days, most Floridians live in south and central Florida. Tallahassee seems more remote than ever. Florida GOP Chairman Joe Gruder says nothing is set in stone, but the idea of moving to a town along the I-4 corridor was floated during the last party meeting. If that does happen, Gruder says it will be after next year's election. One historical note here, back in the 60s, a state senator by the name of Lee Weisenbord tried to convince the legislature to move the capital to Orlando. The North Florida lawmakers who controlled things back then, commonly known as the pork choppers, responded by passing a bill to construct a brand new capital building in Tallahassee, ensuring the capital would remain here. There's even an ironic plaque in the Capitol honoring Weisenborn for his role in creation of the new building. If you're looking for a legislative definition of perseverance, check out Representative Kerry Pigman of Avon Park. He's a doctor who's bucking his own profession by sponsoring a bill that would allow advanced practice registered nurses to work independently of physicians. This is the 18th time I presented this bill or related bills to this topic. This journey began in 2014 when I was blessed to serve as vice chair of the uh, Healthcare Workforce Innovation uh, Select Committee. And in fact, in large part, this effort has come to define why I am in the legislature. As I now enter my last year, this is what I've been working on the entire time I've been in the legislature. As a rural doctor, I'm driven to enhance access to care. And if you live in an urban area, you sometimes don't understand what it's like to be in the country and how we're isolated from so much stuff. It's the very basic primary health care that I value the greatest. I mean, as much as I love our medical specialists, our surgical specialists, our interventionalists, I love what they do, I value what they do. I think it's the basic care for folks with high blood pressure and folks with diabetes, the basic care of those people which results in the greatest benefit to our society from disease reduction, injury reduction, saving limbs, avoiding the need for those expensive interventionists later on. Florida, like much of the country, has a shortage of healthcare providers. And as of the start of this year, we still had 279 primary healthcare professional shortage areas. Those are geographic areas in the state of Florida that are underserved. Organizations that represent physicians and osteopaths do not like the bill because it would take doctors out of the loop. But Pigman says these advanced practice nurses have already shown they can do the job just as well, and they'll help close the gaps in rural health care. Now, an advanced practice registered nurse is a nurse practitioner who holds a master's degree or a doctorate in nursing. She has undergraduate training, and she has postgraduate clinical experience before going into her practice. She holds a certification from a specialty board and practices either as a clinical nurse practitioner 
a certified registered nurse anesthetist, a certified uh, nurse midwife, or a clinical nurse specialist. Under current law in Florida, all APRNs must practice in a supervised environment. Many APRNs and PAs already serve our community, providing both primary care and specialty care. However, it's my position that the requirement for supervision prevents them from practicing as fully as they possibly could. I would be remiss if I don't talk about the quality of care. That invariably comes up. Simply put, there are no data that suggest APRNs are unsafe or inferior in providing primary care. Pigman's bill has been approved by the House Health Quality Committee. It has two more committee stops in the House, but as of now, there is no companion bill in the state Senate. Next up, the State Wildlife Commission is asking for four million bucks to come up with new ways to get rid of invasive aquatic plants that are choking Florida's lakes and waterways. It's either that or keep using poison. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. We all know that guy who says he knew Trump was going to win long before election night. Had he known about Predict It, he could have put his money where his mouth was and made a little extra cash in the process. Predict It is like the stock market for politics. You can buy and sell shares in future events and elections, both foreign and domestic. During the 2018 midterms, Predict It beat other national pollsters like Nate Silver in election night predictions, and it wasn't even close. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Florida's Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is under fire for trying to clean up our waterways with poison, including herbicides like Roundup. People are concerned that the poisoning of invasive plants is also killing the native plants and causing tumors on fish, especially in Lake Okeechobee. Eric Sutton, the executive director of the FWC, says they are trying to find a better way. Despite what um, we've seen in some of the social media, uh, our staff, our team, all, every single one of us, um, are impassioned in what we do. We care about the health of fish and wildlife and the ecosystems, and that's what we stand for. So anything to the contrary to that is, is, is anything, nothing short of offensive because of the dedication they have. So first and foremost, that any, any uh, allegation otherwise is, is just simply false. That said, we also um, believe that we would like to see a, uh, a future that doesn't have to rely upon herbicides uh, for treating the invasive plants that are a serious problem um, to our waterways. And by the way, we are statutorily required as an agency to manage this program with certain benchmarks. Um, so legally, we have an obligation. One of the things that we, we do as part of this program is we have an integrated approach. We have obviously herbicides, um, but we also integrate things like biological controls that are well vetted and tested, as well as mechanical. All these things are going on simultaneously and they're situation driven depending on the waterway. Um, and then in February we had that discussion and what we committed to as an agency was to try to turn this ship. Um, to turn this ship and do things differently, to be open-minded. Um, and, and here we are saddled as the agency to do that, and, and that's what we intend to do. Sutton says one of the ways the commission plans to do that is by expanding the creation of habitat management plans for major lakes. What that means is we start treating these lakes and water bodies the same as we do for our major land holdings, and we work with stakeholders on designing and, and implementing that. So everybody out there that is close to a water body, you will be engaged in how and, and, and why we manage a certain way. It takes a lot of time to get it right, but we're committed to doing that. 
we, we don't want to operate in a vacuum. This is a statewide problem. We formed a technical assisting group that has staff, partners, and stakeholders. And we purposefully selected stakeholders that were, were um, very vocal against, you know, the spraying. And we've had one meeting and another one's coming up, I believe, next week. And so we're getting a lot of good input. I got a lot of great feedback, even from some of the folks that are um, highly opposed to the utilization of herbicides. The Wildlife Commission temporarily halted the aquatic spraying earlier this year to get feedback from the public, and then they resumed a few months later. Sutton says they're looking for more suggestions now on how to get rid of the invasive plants without resorting to herbicides. We have uh, released what's called a request for information out there for the public. And what this is, is it says, come one, come all. If you have alternative ways of looking at this or doing this, send us the information. Right? And, and so we can see what's out there. And we're really hopeful we, we get some of those. And, and um, uh, we've seen, like with the blue-green algae, we've seen people respond. And they do have some exciting new technology. So we're really interested in that. And that leads into the um, $4 million legislative budget request we have out there that says we want to apply that money to innovative technologies. I don't know what we're going to get from that. But we're going, to, we're going to see and we're going to keep push, pushing forward. So if, if we're successful in the uh, legislative uh, uh, budget request, um, then we'll have $4 million to apply to that new technology. State lawmakers will decide whether to fund that $4 million project during the legislative session that begins next month. Your calendar of events today begins with the House Children, Families, and Seniors Subcommittee meeting at 9 a.m. to hear from the Department of Children and Families about child protective investigations. The House Higher Education and Career Readiness Subcommittee meets at 9 to hear a wide-ranging bill that includes a proposal requiring state colleges and universities to conduct an annual assessment of the intellectual freedom and viewpoint diversity at the institution. The House Local Administration Subcommittee meets at 9 to discuss a proposal by the governor for what's known as universal local licensing. The House Pre-K-12 Appropriations Subcommittee meets at 9 for a presentation about the governor's proposed budget. The Senate Appropriations Committee will do the same thing at 10. The House Oversight, Transparency, and Public Management Subcommittee meets at 9.30 to hear Representative Bobby Payne's bill that would prevent candidates from sending surplus campaign funds to the charitable organizations they're employed by. First Lady Casey DeSantis is holding a news conference at 11.15 at Hillsborough High School in Tampa. The release from the governor's office says only that she will make an announcement. The House Gaming Control Subcommittee holds a workshop on gambling issues at 1.30. It's day two of the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission meeting in Panama City Beach. They'll be talking about red snapper, spotted sea trout, and fishing rules for Biscayne National Park and the Florida Keys National Marine Sanctuary. The Florida Supreme Court is scheduled to release its regular weekly opinions at 11. The Department of Agriculture's Industrial Hemp Advisory Council meets at 2 in the Capitol. That's followed at 4 o'clock by a meeting of the Hemp Advisory Committee, not to be confused with the Hemp Advisory Council. And time once again for the continuing misadventures of Florida Man, who always dresses for the occasion. More than 100 people have been arrested over the past week in a prostitution sting by the Polk County Sheriff's Department, including a 56-year-old Florida man by the name of Rodney Davis. He works as a Disney security guard, he's been married for 27 years, and the sheriff says he showed up for his appointment, quote, buck naked, unquote. He also released video of the encounter and was kind enough to blur the nude guy's private parts as he walked into the trap. The first thing the undercover officer told him was to come inside and get warm. Nice. nice. So since you're already naked, let's get started. Do you have the money? I do. Is nobody going to run out of the corner like a cop or anything like that? Uh, no. <laughs> Just anal sex, right? And a blowjob? Yep. The sting was called Operation Santa's Naughty List, and they were targeting human trafficking and prostitution. 46 people were busted on charges of soliciting, 53 were busted on prostitution charges, seven of the alleged prostitutes were identified as potential victims of human trafficking. 
Finally, a bus full of Florida students had to be evacuated because one of the boys from Buffalo Creek Middle School in Palmetto used so much Axe body spray. The smell was so overwhelming, the driver pulled over and the students were transferred to another bus. Emergency crews responded to examine the kids, but none of them needed medical attention. That's it for this edition of Sunrise. We're back with an all-new show tomorrow. This is Rick Flagg reporting for Florida Politics, reminding you that if you believe talk is cheap, try talking to an attorney.